Good evening. Today is Wednesday, July 6th. And we are setting the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's uh, step is step seven, and our speaker tonight is Katie M. Thank you, Katie. Hi everyone, Katie, Compulsive Overeater. Thank you so much for having me. I've heard great things about this meeting and it's so nice to see some familiar faces on the line today. Um, I am dialing in from Los Angeles. Um, I have been abstinent by the grace of God for four and a half years from binging and dieting, um, which feels like just such a miracle. And um, I'm really honored to speak on step seven tonight because it is one of my favorites. And, um, you know, it's interesting because I've worked the steps a couple times now. And I always laugh, like when I see which defects have like still not been lifted, even though I've like gone through them a couple times. Um, and you know, I, I accept those gladly because that just means that I'm like still working on myself because if I made it, then I would have reached enlightenment and like, I wouldn't have anywhere else to go. So, you know, I'm humbled when I get to see which defects have stuck around, um, you know, from the second time, but just like a brief brief, brief overview of like my story is that, um, I had lost a significant amount of weight prior to coming to OA. Um, and that was really just a result of like a, a drastic diet change, um, or a change in my food plan. Um, I was always overweight growing up and I was up and down, up and down on the scale, you know, gaining 40 and then losing 50 and then gaining 60. And, um, you know, you never really could be sure what I would look like on any given, you know, year. So, um, I finally, after college, that was when I got to my top weight as a result of just, you know, binging through the dining hall, it was buffet style. So, you know, you could eat whatever you want. And I was the queen of like, you know, eating lunch with friends, they would go to class. I would like wait and hang back. And then like a different group of friends would come through and I'd say, Oh, I just got here. Do you want to eat lunch? And I would eat again. And like, it was really like, uh, it was a disease. Like it absolutely was just like a mental obsession. I always was thinking about how I was going to eat, um, and how it was more the sneakiness than anything. Cause I didn't binge in front of other people. It was really like me always just trying to figure out how can I get alone and get with the food. And, you know, the food became a coping mechanism when I had roommates and like, if no one was home, then it was like, Ooh, this is my special time that I get to close the blinds and binge without anybody around. So a lot of my disease was surrounded around, um, dishonesty and sneakiness and like scheming and, um, hurting myself really, you know, like it was, it was definitely a form of self-harm. And so once I got to like my top weight, you know, after college, um, I decided to go vegan. And the reason why I mentioned that is because I still am vegan today. It's been, uh, eight years now. And, uh, that is just the meal plan that has worked for me. And I'm not here like preaching like that. Everybody should go vegan, but I do want to say how amazing it is to have found a meal plan that really works with my body. And it just like, you know, it just works like everything. Not only did I lose weight, but like my hair got shinier and my skin cleared up because I wasn't eating dairy anymore. And like I, a bunch of physical positive things happened as a result of this diet change. Right. So, and I was getting all the praise and everyone was like, oh my God, you look so good and everything. And the truth of the matter was I still was just as like mentally fucked up as like, oh, sorry, I'm now I'm being recorded, but I still had like a lot of mental stuff going on. Right. Like 
And I still didn't have a boyfriend. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I still didn't have a boyfriend. I still didn't have the job that I wanted. I, you know, still had my anxiety. I still had my depression. Like all the things that I thought would like be lifted as a result of me losing the weight didn't happen. And so that was kind of what like brought me to my knees because even though I was vegan, I then moved to Los Angeles where there's like vegan everything. You can get vegan, like, you know, pizza and, you know, anything like veganized versions of. So I still was binging. It was just like that. I wasn't eating animal products. So, and just because it's vegan doesn't mean it's healthy. So, um, today I can, you know, happily say that I'm much closer to the real reason why I went vegan in the first place, which was, you know, for my own body, for the environment and for the animals. Cause I do love animals. Um, and so, you know, I do like hope and pray that each and every one of you finds a meal plan that works for you the way that veganism has worked for me. So, um, when I came into program, well, it was my best friend was, got sober in AA. And so he was the one that told me about, um, the, the, that OA even existed. And so I went to my first meeting and, you know, got, um, a sponsor within the first 30 minutes or 30, 30 days, not 30 minutes, I wish 30 minutes, 30 days. And, um, you know, from there, like I was by the grace of God struck abstinent and I'm just so, so grateful that, you know, it stuck right away. And that, like, I put myself in the middle of the herd because I really needed that. So, um, in terms of step seven and like why I'm, you know, looking forward to speaking on it. And the reason that I'm reaching down is because I have a, a pug that is demanding attention right now. And she'll yell at me if I, if I don't give her scratches. So we're multitasking. Um, her name is Stella and she's 13. So she's grumpy and she knows what she wants. Um, so there's two parts in, in the way that I look at like step seven, there's the humble part and then there's asking God. So the, the humility aspect of step seven really spoke to me because, you know, to me, like, what does being humble mean? Like, it means, you know, reckoning with the fact that I'm not perfect. It's, you know, recognizing that like, I am a, a flawed human being, just like everybody else. And there is no graduation or like completion of working the steps. It's going to be a cycle that, you know, just continues. And, um, you know, as I said before, it's interesting to see which defects stuck around versus which ones were lifted and which ones, you know, God was able to, you know, remove, you know, from my life. So, um, and then the asking God to remove these defects is it very reminiscent of step three for me, because that's all about like turning over your will to God and like turning over the self will and like recognizing like I can't, God can, I think I'll let God. So, um, and I also view old like behaviors that don't serve me as like blockages to humility. So like low self-esteem or like status seeking, you know, thinking that like, I know best, you know, my ego being like, you know, too big for me to handle or like self-righteousness, like those are all kind of blockages for me for humility. And they also put a barrier between me and my higher power. Like I like to view my connection with my higher power as like a channel and like you're, you know, you have your antennas and stuff. And so like when I have, when I'm engaging in those old behaviors that don't serve me anymore, that like disrupts the connection, you know, like it's not as strong. It's not as clear when I get like messages, like so clearly from my higher power, when I'm in meditation. Um, and, you know, it's also in, on the topic of like it, you know, not being perfect, like 
it's important that when I am wrong and when like I do slip back into these old defects of character that like I promptly admit it and thank God now I know because like making amends sucks and I don't like to do them. So that motivates me to not be an asshole in the first place, you know? So, you know, knowing that like when I'm wrong, I just, you know, promptly admit it and say, I'm sorry. And like, you know, put my hands up and just say like, you know, I made a mistake and like, I'm not a bad person because of it. That doesn't make me, you know, bad or, you know, cause that was very much like growing up. It was like, are you a good girl? Or are you a bad girl? And like, I, you know, just knowing that I'm not perfect. No one expects me to be perfect. My higher power certainly doesn't expect me to be perfect. So, you know, when these defects do come up, it doesn't, it's not a reflection of my recovery because the recovery for me is the cumulative, like it's everything it's, you know, so if I do like mess up or, you know, if someone breaks their abstinence, it's not like you're starting over from the very, very beginning because you have all this time and experience and program under your belt that like, you know, how to, you know, pick back up and get right back on, you know, tracks. So, um, the other thing too, in terms of like, asking God to remove these defects is like, there's some defects that I really, I'm not willing to let go of, you know, and it's, there are days where my willingness is better than others, but, you know, in terms of even just like eating for comfort, like there are nights where I really, really, really just want to be with the food and order my favorite vegan junk food and just like go, you know, to town. And on those nights I get to look and see like, okay, what's really underneath this, because it's not just like a physical craving that's part of it, but usually it's an indication of something else is going on. So, um, and the, the other thing is just like, it's never convenient, like recovery isn't convenient. And this, this idea of like, how willing are you to be inconvenient? convenienced and our defects are comfortable. Our defects are, it's, I I've heard this um, analogy described before that has always stuck me stuck with me. Cause I'm a very visual person is like, if you have a plank of wood and you have um, a marble and there's a groove that's been like run over many, many, many times before the marble slides really easily down the little slope. But when you're creating a new habit, and you're using like a tiny little whittling tool to try to create like a new groove, it's not going to like roll very smoothly in the beginning, but the more that you work on it and the more you practice that new behavior, then the marble will be able to slide down really easily. And, you know, it'll feel more like second nature. Um, so thank you so much. I hear that. So just having compassion for myself that like I'm unwiring, you know, 30 years of, you know, old behaviors. And so like, it's not going to get solved overnight as much as I would love to be like, God, take away all my defects and like wake up tomorrow and be defect free. That's just like, not how it goes. Right. And so just like knowing that it's going to take a little practice and, what I love is like usually my higher power, whenever I ask, like if I'm focusing on something like really specific of like, help me like be less judgmental. Like I swear right after I usually always get like an opportunity to practice not being judgmental. <laughs> like God will, God has a sense of humor for me. Um, and like, I'll be presented with an opportunity that it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Clearly it's not that like, oh, all of a sudden I wake up not feeling judgmental. It's like, I'm presented with an opportunity that like old me would have been really judgmental. But like, I just asked God to help me be less judgmental. So like, I'm going to take contrary action. Um, and contrary action is like another thing that I feel like is really relevant for step seven, because, you know, these defects have served us at one point, at some point they did do something for us, which is why we started doing them in the first place. 
And, you know, now we've just grown out of them and we know that they no longer serve us, but it's comfortable and it's easy to just go back to the old ways of being. So it's this idea of like knowing, okay, that's what I, what I would have done, but I'm going to take contrary action, just do the opposite. Um, another thing is acting as if, um, you know, that was something that was talked about quite a bit when I first came in and I like didn't quite understand it until people started giving examples of like what acting as if means. And so the idea of like, if you're you know worried about something like at work and it's like acting as if there's nothing to be worried about and like just pretending. And then all of a sudden, like that becomes your reality. And like that always just kind of was like, wow, that feels like magic to me, honestly. Like just thinking about like, or even going down the worst case scenario route and just being like, okay, worst case scenario, my boss is pissed at me. Am I going to get fired? No, I'm not going to get fired over this one little thing. If I do, I wasn't meant to be at that job in the first place. You know, like being able to just kind of like level set and not catastrophize things because that was another one of my defects is like, I just was like a very dramatic teenager and like, I still, I have compassion for myself as a young person, of course, but like, you know, everything was like sensationalized and like blown out of proportion and like always felt like the end of the world. And so now being able to just kind of like logically zoom out and see things as my higher power sees it has just been like such a gift, like such a gift. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to mention as far as like defects um, versus like character assets is that like either way, like the character trait, if it swings one direction or the other one way, it can be like a negative thing, but in one way it could be a positive thing. So for example, like um, perfectionism, right? Like that's like the negative side of it, but like the positive side of it is like attention to detail and like being really, um, you know, like good at work, you know, when you're, if you're like doing, you know, a spreadsheet or something where like the details really matter, like that can, that's a, that can be a positive if you swing it the other way. Um, being like really thoughtful and considerate and thinking of others, that's like on one end, like a positive trait. And then on the negative side, it could be people pleasing because you care so much about what other people think. And it's like, you know, you're so overly considerate that you're putting other people ahead of your, yourself. Um, another thing that a personal experience that I could share is that like, I very much like the gossip and being a busybody and just like wanting to know, like uh, being all up in everybody's business, that absolutely was one of my character defects. And so I was actually working step seven in, um, it was the February of 2020, right before shit hit the fan. And um, I was asking God to remove that defect. And I was presented with an opportunity to join the board um, for the Los Angeles Intergroup as the communications chair. So it was like so funny that it was like, well, you're going, you want to be all up in everybody's business, then here you go, be of service, do it in a way where you can spread the message and like tell people about what's going on. And you'll be all up in that inner group and you'll know all the ins and outs of what's going on. And like, and that, you know, makes me feel good because I like knowing what's going on. I like knowing about upcoming events and how things are run and, you know, being able to be of service in that way over the last few years has just been like amazing. I mean, the people alone, like the other board members have just been incredible and like getting to work with them on a different like level of service. And then like also learning about like the traditions in ways that like I never would have comprehended if I didn't have to actually apply them. You know, like we were faced with a lot of questions during the pandemic of like how to handle anonymity, like in the Zoom rooms, let's just say. And we didn't have to like come up with any new rules or policies ourselves. We just looked to the traditions. So that's just like another pitch for service and, you know, ways that you can like get involved in everything. 
Um, and then I also just feel like as far as judgment goes, I still, that is like absolutely something that I am like still working on when it comes to specifically like my friends dating lives, because I've been like perpetually single for forever. And so I've witnessed my friends like date really terrible people. And so I feel like now I'm like, I can spot them. Like I, as if I have some, like, you know, as if I'm a psychic and it's like, I'm not, but like, that is something that I have to check myself on a lot is that like my friends aren't first of all, I want my friends to be happy and they're not going to like not date someone because I don't like them or because I'm like, I don't think he, he's the right person for you. They're going to do whatever they want to do. And if something does go wrong, my friends are never going to be like, oh, I wish Katie had warned me. Like, I really wish Katie had intervened and told me like not to date this person, you know? So that was another like kind of revelation, like light bulb moment. Um, Cause my, one of my best friends is dating someone that like I don't really get it, but like, he seems to be happy and like, that's really all that matters. And so, you know, just putting that into practice, like, again, I'm always being presented, you know, by my higher power opportunities to, you know, actually get rid of these defects or to, you know, just do things differently. So I think that I will just kind of wrap with the idea of asking God to remove my defects of character is a humbling act because I'm acknowledging that I can't do this on my own and that it is up to a power bigger than me. And knowing that, you know, it might not happen overnight and knowing that, you know, it's going to just take some time, you know, to put these new habits into practice is a really exciting thing for me, because like I said, like, I'm not I, I, that means that I just have more growing to do and our triggers are our teachers. So whenever I'm triggered, I can like, look at that as like, okay, this is, this clearly is just is something that I have to work on. And that's something that program has taught me is like how, um, to take or to, how to take ownership of my part and how to keep my side of the street clean. Right. And knowing that, um, even, thank you so much. Um, even something that, might seemingly be like not my fault at all, I can still acknowledge my part in it. So an example of that was when I made my ninth step amends to my mom. Um, she was like very verbally abusive towards me growing up. And she, um, you know, seemingly I was the victim in the situation, right? Because I was just a kid. She used to say horrible things to me, like, you know, when I was growing up about my body and like, you know, all, of course, like, you know, I developed an eating disorder as a result of it and, you know, having poor self-esteem and everything. And when I made my amends with her at first, you know, when I first was like coming up with my list, it was like, well, what do I have to apologize to her for? If anything, she owes me an apology. But what I said I was sorry for was for blaming her for all the bad things that have happened in my life, because it turned into this, like I villainized her and I did not see any of the positives in her. And the truth is, is she's a human being. Yes, she had her faults. And I now can see it as she was doing the best that she could with what she had at the time. Um, she didn't have a program. This was her first child. She herself, I think probably qualifies for the, uh, you know, not to take her inventory, but I think she might benefit from coming to a meeting or two. And so she saw me developing like, you know, symptoms of becoming a compulsive over eater. And if I had a daughter that was like, you know, starting to do the sneaky stuff that I used to do with food, hiding my Halloween candy and like, you know, storing, you know, little burrows, like a squirrel of food so that I could eat whenever I wanted or in the middle of the night. Like if I saw my daughter exhibiting those behaviors, I would be so scared. I would be so sad. I 
would want to do anything that I could to protect her from the pain that I ended up enduring. And so she just didn't have that like emotional awareness to communicate all of that to me. But I know now because I've done the work and I like can acknowledge, you know, that that's probably what was going on with her. So I'm just grateful for step seven in that regard, because like one of my defects also was just like playing the blame game and not taking accountability for myself. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'll wrap there. Um, thank you guys so much. <laughs> it was so good to see you all. Um, and I'm looking forward to hearing your shares and yeah, if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer, but would love to hear your shares. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. That was amazing. Oh, all right. Um, we will now open the meeting um, for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and to the step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep this meeting on track. If you would like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And I will call on the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Um, would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, um, let's go. Let's start with Wendy. Hi, um, so good to be here. Uh, Wendy S. Um, recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you so much, Katie. That was really, really clear and clean and wonderful. Um, I appreciated that so much. Uh, and I was really glad that you had mentioned um, specifically that the block to humility is, uh, one of the blocks to humility is self is low self-esteem. And, um, that was something like when I came into program, I thought I had so much humility because I had such low self-esteem, you know, and it was like, you know, if, if someone was upset with me or disagreed with me, well, it was my fault, you know, except for, you know, when nothing was my fault and everything was everybody else's fault. But, but that was sort of, you know, where I kind of came in like, oh yeah, you know, oh, it's my part. I know that, um, something at work, a boss, whatever would complain or, or reprimand me or whatever. It was always like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm wrong. Um, and I have to fix that. And that's not actually humility. I mean, humility is really about like taking stock of what my part is and recognizing that my accomplishments are not solely mine. It's like a collaboration between me and my higher power that, that is living up to these values that I've, that I've, found or discovered or listed uh, in program. And, um, and humility is also like standing up for myself. So if somebody is upset with me and arguing with me about something, I don't need to be a doormat and take it. You know, I can really with kindness and, and a loving heart, just, you know, say, hey, what's this about and question it. And, and I have the right to do that. And that's part of humility as well. So um, yeah, thank you so much for bringing that up. And, and that was an interesting lesson for me to learn in program, that's for sure. I will pass. Thanks.
Thank you, Wendy. Let's go on to Elizabeth C. Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you so much for your share, Katie. I loved um, all the examples you gave. Um, and you said something about getting very clear messages from your higher power in meditation. And I was wondering if you could walk through a scenario when that happened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I do, I mean, my meditation practice has changed a lot, like over the four years that I've been in program, um, when there was definitely a period of time where I was really, really diligent about putting my phone on airplane mode, uh, before bed. And then when I'd wake up in the morning, I wouldn't go off airplane mode until I had meditated. And that was like, that was during the pandemic. I think when like, I had a little bit more flexibility with my schedule, um, in the mornings and stuff. So, um, that was one way of like, you know, really being like, completely just me and God. Like it was actually like blocking out self-service from other people from interrupting and stuff. So, um, and then the, what I currently do is that I, I have a group of people, um, that I meditate with that we get on zoom in the mornings. Um, and I like that level of accountability. Um, so as an example of something that like, or when I've received a message that was like very clear from my higher power was that like, I, there was one time in uh, it was last year. It was, it was at some point that my office, uh, my company was trying to get us all to come back to the, um, to the office. And I was feeling really resistant to it. I really was enjoying working from home. And there was a part of me that really wanted to like send an email and like get a doctor's note and like do like all these things of like what I could do to, you know, get out of going into the office. Right. And so I was meditating on it because old me is very impulsive is very like, I'm going to send that email without one second thought, without looking it over twice. Like I'm I'm going to just, you know, fire this off and, you know, give a really nasty response. And so I was meditating on it and I was just like, okay, God, like, show me the way with this. Like, what am, how am I supposed to handle this? Because like, I really just don't feel comfortable going back to the office yet. And the message that I got was wait and don't do anything and just pause. And sure enough, literally like a week later, they like went back and they were like, okay, never mind. Actually, we'll just keep working from home. <laughs> so like I didn't have to do anything. And that is usually like the case is that like if I'm like, what do I do? Do I take action? Do I not? If you just pause and just like wait a beat, a lot of times it works itself out where like I actually did not need to do anything. So that's just one example that came to mind. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Kendall, you're up. Hi, good evening, everyone. My name is Kendall. I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, glad to be on the meeting today. Um, Katie, thank you so much for your share as pertains to step seven uh, and really remembering that uh, the spiritual principle of humility and remembering that we're humbly asking God to remove these defects of character. Um, I, one of the things that you said in the, um, in your, in your share, you were talking about, uh, someone actually typed it in the chat, um, but, uh, that phrase was, triggers are our teachers. Uh, I had a really great experience with that around, um, was for me when I found out that I was praying for the wrong thing, um, to be removed. Uh, one trigger for me is, um, is, is time is generally time with people or appointments and those types of things. 
uh, when people are late for things, particularly right now I'm sponsoring, and if my sponsee is late for a call, I want to fight. It's almost like I could just, like, I want to rage. It's like, you don't want, and it, I know, it's at first, I'm like, oh, that's maybe just me wanting to work their program. No, because, but I would pray for patience, and, and it still wasn't getting better. And then my sponsor once called and canceled our call like while I was asleep. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to limit my call. We're not going to talk on that day now. We're only going to talk on these days. I'm going to, you know, all this stuff. I had an appointment with a nutritionist and then they had to change their information once. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fire her and I'm going to find a nutritionist and because it's all up to me. It's, you know what? You know, screw all of you. You know, all of you guys don't care about my time. And that was right where I realized what it was. I wasn't, pr I wasn't praying for the right things. And I went back and I looked at my fourth step. My fourth step, I had, as a kid, I had a lot of situations when I was a child where my time wasn't honored and people put their other things in front of me. Uh, they put their lives in front of what I was, you know, I felt that I wasn't important. And so the issue was actually projection. It was pride. I view... I was viewing when people changed things or when things came up in their lives that they were deciding that they were more important than me. And so I realized that I had to pray to be humble and to be relieved of the issue of the anger around pride. And, and sure enough, it's starting to get better. But realizing that I had to humbly search for that answer and I had to humbly pause and look for God to relieve me of that character defect was really important. Um, and then also around pride as being my chief character defect, you know, today I took, um, not took a, I received my, my, uh, one, uh, my sponsor's first fist step. It's the first time I've done it and it took all day. Uh, they had a lot going on and, uh, just like I did. And, uh, I realized that my character defect of pride, I had to find a number of times where I really had to sit and meditate and pause. And I realized I wanted to... I resisted, thankfully. I wanted to like help them work their fifth step when it's my job to hold the space. It's to hold their space and let them get it out. And that's what was offered for me. And I don't think I could have done this without the steps. I'm thank God that I had the steps. Um, thank you, Hillary. And I'll wrap with just they work. I'm I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kendall. Hannah, you're up. Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I'm a newcomer to OA and um, I already sent a message, but I, I'm so grateful, Katie, for your share. I've been having really just a bad couple of days and I've been really struggling on like where my path has been. And I've been having to face a lot of things inside myself that um, are like very similar to, to your story and that um, like my parents are very much involved with like my trauma and like that's where my disordered eating came from. And it's been this uh, like line that I keep going back and forth over of like knowing like, where is the blame? Who do I blame? Like, I feel like I need to have this person or this thing because it can't be me, you know, and, and having to take ownership over that. It's one of the hardest things to do um, because yes, they, they, you know, might've said some of the wrong things 
because they were trying to help me. And I didn't really know that at the time. And it took a lot of work to, to figure that out. So I'm glad I've done that. But now comes the hard part, which is maintaining um, that sort of level of humility and, and being vulnerable and just admitting that I have to look very deep within and sort of face the things that I am struggling to face. Um, I have had some really bad eating days the last couple of days, and I know that I've been having bad eating days. Um, and my anxiety is just through the roof. And I, I, I'm still trying to figure out like, what's the pattern here? What, what is the path? And so just hearing your share, um, my brain's kind of buzzing a little bit. And I, I, this is my second time in this group. And I, it, it, this group has really um, helped me a lot, even in the last week. So I want to keep coming. I want to keep coming back. Um, and yeah, I'm just so grateful for everybody here. And thank you for the opportunity to share. I'm really grateful. Thank you, Hannah, Hannah, and welcome. Um, it, uh, uh, it is now time to, sorry, I got lost. Oh, we'll now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. Um, would the Zoom host please stop?